0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the preparations you make for us to enter into your presence. Today, O Lord, we pray that you would teach us once again what it means to repent of our sins and turn to Christ for hope and forgiveness and for salvation grant us your Holy Spirit to this end. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Yesterday morning, we had the fun opportunity here at the church to be a part of the Escondido Christmas Parade, and this was a lot of fun. I want to thank uh, the Heuns for helping put this together. I know the Peters. You guys are pretty instrumental in this as well. Uh, there was a lot of folks who put time and effort into this. It was it was great. Uh, Pastor Matt and I carried a sign in which we were dressed up like shepherds, which was somewhat appropriate. Uh, my wife was a wise woman, which I thought was you know was probably her idea. Uh, we had uh, a bunch of kids dressed up as animals. Jeff and Liz and little Charlie were Jesus and Mo- jo- uh, um, Joseph and Mary. And, and, we, and Dan put all the gas in his car so his car didn't go out on the parade route. It was great. We had a lot of fun. And we waved at people. We said, Merry Christmas. The best part was there was a big uh, uh, time when you're going by and there's an announcer explaining every float. And, and we got the announcer to say, I think, Dan, you said you wrote this. He got the announcer to say, uh, we want to remind you this Christmas season uh, that the reason For this season is that Jesus has come not to be your judge, but to be a sacrifice for your sins I mean, oh we got the gospel in there. It was wonderful. That was a lot of fun But as we were going through this parade it struck me. We're missing one very significant character in our float I always think it would be fun in a parade like this to have a John the Baptist. Yeah, Like someone walking out in front of the float, yelling at all the people at the parade. You brood of vipers, who told you to come out to this parade? Repent! Because Christ is coming. Get down to Community Lutheran Church and get baptized before it's too late. That's what I want next year. I don't think I'm going to get that, but that's okay. I think that would be a lot of fun. I'll tell you this much. If we did that, nobody would forget our float. That's for sure. Uh, Because... It would be a little shocking, but also because it would be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is really one of the great people in the history of the world, one of the most fascinating people in the history of this planet. Jesus himself said that of people born of women, there is no one greater who has been born than John the Baptist. And that is very high praise coming from our Lord himself. John was so significant, such a significant preacher in his day, (laughs) that people believed he was actually the Messiah. They thought he was, in fact, the coming Christ. Now John was very quick to, to uh, shoot down that idea, reminding people that he was here not to be the Lord, but he was the last of the prophets who had come to prepare the way of the Lord. He, he said it this way, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John did with his life and his ministry what we should all do with our lives. He pointed people to Jesus. He prepared people for the coming of the Lord. Now, uh, John, I think if he were to live in our day, would not only be shocking at a parade, but I think he would be very upsetting to a lot of people. I think the powers that be in this world, they would not enjoy having John around. If he had a Twitter account, I'm sure it would be blocked or suspended or whatever they do when they don't like what you say on that thing. But John seemed to go after everybody. He seemed to expose the sins of everybody around him. Nobody was safe. He would not fit in in our PC culture. (laughs) Uh, there's, there's a point at which he gets so uh, uh, offensive to the powers that be, not just the religious people who are upset with him, but even the political powers. Like, he stands up against Herod and tells Herod he's wrong and is living an immoral lifestyle uh, with his brother's wife, and he calls him out on this in public, which gets him thrown in jail and ultimately results in John uh, being beheaded. He upset everybody on every side of the aisle and it didn't bother him one bit because he wanted everybody to be prepared for Christ. He wanted everybody to be repentant and ready to receive the coming Jesus. And so he lived his life, he lived his ministry out preparing people for the coming Jesus, to prepare them for the Lord. So John preaches this message of repentance and forgiveness. In fact, his baptism, uh, Luke tells us, was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, people would hear of their sins. They would be exposed by John's preaching. God's law would come along and crush them in their sins, and they would say, what do we do about this? And so John would then bring them to the waters of baptism to wash out their wounds, to give them healing to bring to them the forgiveness that was coming with this coming Jesus. Now, John's baptism was not exactly like our baptism. It wasn't done in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It didn't put to death and bring to life and all of the things we read about in our texts. Uh, But it was a baptism unto the repentance and forgiveness of sins. That is to say, this was a baptism that did what John was always doing. It delivered people to the Jesus who was coming to forgive. It pointed them to the Lamb of God who is coming to take away the sins of the world, to forgive and set free. And it strikes me today that we in our culture need, in our own personal lives, we need more of John the Baptist. We need somebody coming along and exposing our sins to us and driving us to Jesus Christ. And what we don't need, I don't think, in our culture is another Pharisee. To come and preach to us. And by Pharisee, I mean we don't need somebody kind of sitting up on a perch. Pointing out everybody's sins to them. Sitting up in a safe place and exposing what's wrong you know, with everybody else over there. They're the problem. They're the reason our world's falling apart. It's they who we need to judge. We don't need any more of that. We don't need someone examining, helping us examine the specks in other people's eyes. So that we can ex- ignore the planks in our own. We need a preacher to come along and remove the plank and deliver to us Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality that all of us need to face here this morning. When it comes to sin and unrighteousness in this world, you are the biggest sinner in your own life. And some of you are here today and you know it. Some of you are here because you are terrified by it you know that jesus christ is coming on the last day and he's not going to come this time as a cute baby but in glory to judge the living and the dead and you're worried about what's going to be read in those books when jesus opens the book of our life and exposes everything you've done and it scares you and it terrifies you so you've come here this morning uh hoping for mercy hoping forgiveness hoping for forgiveness trying to find some hope in light of the day of judgment and if that's why you're here this morning, the good news for you is this, that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins. But you know what it's like to feel uh, 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 bound to these sins. It's almost like you're in a prison, like you're, you're dragging these sins around you, around with you on a ball and a chain, and you feel imprisoned to these things and you need to be set free, and that is why Jesus Christ has come for you. But others of you are here this morning, and you are content and happy in that prison cell. You, you like the ball and chain. Being imprisoned to your sins doesn't bother you one bit. In fact, in that little prison cell of yours, you've made it look pretty righteous. You've made it look pretty holy. You've painted it up. You've even hung a cross on the wall just to show everyone else how holy you are. And you like to sit in that prison cell and you like to look at everybody else's prison cells and judge them and point out how grubby they are, how yucky they are, how far more evil they are than yours. You like to sit in judgment of everyone else, and it is your pride and your religiosity that you delight in that is your greatest sin because it's your own self righteousness. You like to look at people who sit on the other side of the political aisle than you and judge them and their wicked views. At least you're right about the right things and not wrong about the wrong things. You sit in your comfortable houses thankful that you have a nice place to live and that you are right and that you are better off than the rest of the world. And you don't really do anything about the problems of the world unless, of course, you have a Twitter account or a Facebook account. Then you just make fun of people that you don't like and feel pretty good about it. And then you just sit around and watch TV. You watch your favorite news station so that you can figure out who you should be against and why you should be against them. And you sit in condemnation of everyone else. And in all of this, when Jesus Christ comes along and tells you to love your enemies, you must realize that all you've done is you've learned how to hate them all the more. And that's why you need John the Baptist to show up and expose that enormous plank that resides right in your eye. Because you too are imprisoned by your own sins. So that's why the Lord Jesus has all of us here today. To repent. To repent of our pride to repent of our selfishness, to repent of those sins that, that we either fear or we're not even aware of. And I imagine there are any other number of sins that we could go after this morning, but there's probably not enough time in the day to go after you who are lusting after someone who isn't your spouse, or you who are finding ways to cut corners at work and take money that really doesn't belong to you, or you who are replacing worship on Sunday mornings with leisure and sleep, Or you who love to slander and lie and gossip. Or you who treat God like a genie and have no contentment for the good things that he has given you in your life. The reality is all of us here this morning are bound by some kind of sin. We are all imprisoned to some kind of evil that clings to our flesh. And so John comes to all of us today and says, you repent. Turn that stuff over to Jesus. And then John does just that. He turns you over to Jesus. Because now John's work is done. He's exposed your sins. And that's all he's here to do. Because that now prepares you to hear something good. Now you find out why John believes that Jesus is greater than him, because Jesus comes not just to expose your sins, but to free you from them. Not just to tell you that you are stuck in the prison cell of your sins, but to unlock the gate and let you free. And so the Lord Jesus finds you here this morning, and he comes to you, and you're sitting in this prison cell of your sin, and he walks up. He, he sort of, we like to say it this way, he descends from heaven with the keys to the kingdom. And with those keys, he unlocks your prison cell. And he says, come out, you're free. The time that you deserve to spend in here has been paid for by me. Your sentence is served. Your sins are forgiven because I have died for you in your place on the cross. You don't need to live in this cell any longer. You are forgiven. You are free. And it's with those words that Jesus declares to you this morning that you're set free that you can leave the prison cell of your sin, that you can turn those things over to Christ, you can repent and run out of that prison cell with joy. And I love the reading here this morning as John is preaching this message and he's setting these people that are coming to him for the baptism of forgiveness of sins, as he's setting them free. They look like this, and I think we all kind of look like this with the forgiveness of our sins. We're people who have been imprisoned to this sin for so much of our lives, and Jesus sets us free from it. And now we walk out of the sort of the prison gates, and you just imagine this dreary, dark, gray prison, and all of a sudden the gates open up, and you look out in front of you, and your eyes are kind of like hurt by the sun, and you look and you see nothing but blue skies and green fields, like this wide open space to go play in. And you look and you go, well, what do I do with this? How do I live in this freedom? All I know is prison. All I know is my sin. How do I enjoy this freedom? What do we do? It's exactly what they asked John. And so John says, well, in your newfound freedom, you've forgiven people. What should you do? You who have two tunics, share with the one who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. That is, find people who are in need and share with them. You don't have to worry about taking care of yourself anymore. God's going to take care of you. Share everything you have. You're free to do it. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. In other words, do your job. (laughs) Don't steal. Don't harm others. Just be content with your life. Same thing with the soldiers. They came and asked him, What should we do? And he said to them, Don't extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations. Be content with your wages. I love this. Note what John does here. What should the forgiven do with their newfound freedom? Stop using your life in the positions that you have in this life uh, to take advantage of others, to hurt others, to harm others, and use those positions you have in your life uh, for good. Notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say something like this. Now that you're forgiven and free, go become a missionary. Go become a pastor. Some people will go do those things. But instead what he does is he sends them back into their everyday lives. He sends them back into their jobs and their callings and vocations and says do those things faithfully. Work hard at those things. You have a lot of things that you can do in this world to make it a better place to do good for others. We might say it this way around here. What should you do with this newfound freedom? Care for everybody that God gives you. You care for everybody that God gives you. So let's say, for example, you're one of those people who is uh, very worried about things going on in this world. And you're worried, say, about uh, the pro-choice movement and the advancement of, of abortion and the murder of unborn children in this world. Instead of sitting around at your house and stewing about this and tweeting about it, maybe what you need to do, uh, John the Baptist might say, is go find and help women who are in a very difficult situation with their pregnancies and find ways to support and help them. Make them uh, help them figure out ways to take care of those children. Consider adopting a child. Go volunteer down at California uh, Alternatives uh, in Escondido. And help those who are actually in need. If you're someone who's worried about how the poor are treated in this world and how they're not being loved and cared for, maybe it's time for you uh, to start providing food for your families at home and then inviting those who are in need to join you for the meal. To go volunteer at places where they are feeding the homeless. To find ways to support those who are truly poor and truly in need. Even here in our own congregation. But find ways to share with them. If you have two tunics, they have none, maybe they could use one of yours. If you're someone who's, who's struggling with lust after someone who is not your spouse, cut that person or that website off from your life. If you're someone who is stealing from work, find ways to give that money back and begin to work honestly. And the list goes on. But the reality is you have to realize now that you are free to do all of this stuff. Because you are no longer bound to the prison of your sins. You are free and if Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. Now, As soon as I say all this, I know someone in the back of their mind goes, okay, so it's just that easy, right? I'm forgiven here on Sunday morning, and now I just go and sin no more, piece of cake, walk out, and I'm done, yeah? Yeah, just that easy, not so fast, Pastor, because I'm still going to struggle with sin. And what do I do with this? Now that I'm forgiven and I'm set free from this prison, what happens if my old prison habits come back? What happens if I if I get too angry one day or I lose control one day or what happens when I struggle with this sin? What then, pastor? What happens if I still struggle? Well, the answer to that is simply this. You will. You will Christ has set you free and yet that old sinful nature is still going to cling to you and those old habits you learned in the prison cell of your sin will come back very easily. So what do you do with all of this? You repent again and you get forgiven again. And you repent again, and you get forgiven again, and you get forgiven again, and you get forgiven again, because you see, this repentance and forgiveness is not a one-time act in your life, but it is now the air you breathe as one who has been set free by Jesus Christ. He is a God who has called you into a relationship of daily mercy and forgiveness. He's constantly here to give it to you. And as you will constantly in daily struggle, you constantly need to hear this good news. I'll give you a picture of what this kind of looks like. Uh, this is a story that I heard from one of my favorite theologians. Some of you might have heard this story from me before from him. Uh, a guy named James Nestigan. And he tells this story. It goes like this. He says uh, one time he was flying on an, an airplane. And as he sat down, he sat next to a gentleman. And they, they got talking, as, as people do on airplanes. Uh, not me. I put my earbuds in and ignore everyone. Uh, but he actually talked to the guy. And it came about that they were, he realized that Dr. Nestigan was actually a pastor. And he begins to just sort of tell him his whole life story. And this conversation became a very much one-way conversation. And for hours on that plane, this man was laying everything out he had done uh, to Nestigan. And as as the plane flight is going, and after hours of this, suddenly the stewardess comes on and says, Okay, buckle your safety belts. It's time. We're going to land the plane here soon. And it kind of stops the guy, and he looks over at Dr. Nestigan, and he says, Well, I, I guess that's about it. And Nestigan looks at him and goes, Is that everything? He goes, yeah, I'd say so. And Nestigan says, well, I'm going to take that as a confession of sins. And he unbuckles his safety belt. and You know, the stewardesses don't like this. He unbuckles his safety belt. He stands up and he puts his hands on the man's head on the airplane and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. And people are staring and the stewardess is running down the aisle, screaming at him to sit down. And he does and he buckles up and the guy looks at him and he goes, what was that? And He goes, well, that was your forgiveness of sins. And he says, Whoa, will you do it again? <laughs> and he says, As often as you need it, I'm here on orders of Jesus Christ to do that for you as often as you need it. And I guess for like the next week and a half, that guy called every single day, not convinced that he was actually forgiven constantly calling to make sure the forgiveness worked and then throughout the rest of his life from what i understand he would call back regularly uh, to ask for forgiveness and to repent of his sins that's the life of freedom you have in christ jesus the daily the constant forgiveness because you constantly need to live in this life repenting but jesus is constantly and daily there to deliver to you the forgiveness of your sins That's why we're here as Community Lutheran Church. We are here as a church on orders of Jesus Christ to deliver to you the forgiveness that you need even here this morning. So let's just do it. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of your sins are forgiven. You are free. You are free to live against your sin. You are free to love your neighbor and care for everyone God has given you. And you are free to repent and to be forgiven, because you, for Christ's sake, are free. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for repentance and forgiveness, that you hear our cries, and you forgive us for Christ's sake. We thank you that his blood was shed on our behalf, that his death was died in our place, and that we have been set free. Now, Lord, teach us to live in this freedom with joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.